2 Timothy chapter 4 is where we'll be tonight. It's a brief message by design, but it's one that I hope packs a bit of a punch. Second Timothy 4 is the last part of Paul's last letter. If he wrote anything else to anybody, we don't know of it. I suppose it's possible he wrote some personal letters to people, but as far as that which is included in the Word of God, this is his, his final words. And he addressed him to Timothy, his son in the faith, he who he had mentored and helped, and Timothy would in large part take over much of Paul's ministry after his death. It's interesting, there's a lot of things that are covered in 2 Timothy 4, but the charge itself that that Paul offers is really only found in verse 2. Everything else is ancillary to that. 2 Timothy 4, verse 1, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. The word charge here is an interesting word. It's a serious responsibility. It's a legal term. And basically what Paul is, is telling Timothy is, is that he is one day going to be called into account for the responsibility that's been given him. Now let's take a moment and meditate on this thought. So will we. To whom much is given, of him shall much be required. Let's take a moment and think on that. None of us in here can rightly say that God has not blessed us far beyond what we deserve. Husbands, we'll give an account for how we treat our wives and how we lead them, for how we lead our homes. Wives, we'll give an account for how you treat your husband and how you lead your home. Parents, we will give an account for how we interact with our children and how we endeavor to bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Children, will give an account for how they responded to and submitted to their parents and allowed them to lead. We will all give an account for our testimony and the imprint we made upon this world for the cause of Jesus Christ. We will give an account for the job we've done as an employee. We'll give an account for the citizen we've been in this country.
you better believe it weighs on me that I will give an account for how I've pastored this church. I'll give an account for every one of the thousands, and this is not hyperbole, the thousands of times that I've preached from this book. I'll answer for my time at Riverview Baptist Church. I'll answer for my time at Fellowship Baptist Church. And anywhere else God has so so seen fit to have me serve. This charge is a serious thing. And we will all answer for the responsibilities we've been given. Now, what happens when we fail in this charge? Some would think if we fail in this charge that what we do is we produce a powerless Christianity, one that does not have the effect that it's meant to have, one that does not have the impact and the the power of God upon it like God would like. And that is true to a degree, but I think it's far worse than that. If we fail in this charge, we will not produce a powerless Christianity. We will produce a dangerous Christianity. A dangerous Christianity that rather than just failing to make an impact, will make an impact in all the wrong ways. And so let's look at verse number two tonight with the Lord's help. and discuss dangerous Christianity. Father, I sure do need your help tonight, just as I did this morning. No less now than then. Would you use your word and speak to our hearts? It weighs on me even now that I'll give an account even for this very message. So, Lord, I want to do right by you. And I want to do right by your people. Would you help me to that end? And in all of this, may Jesus be lifted up. Of course, in his name we ask these things. Amen. I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. There's three Christianities presented in this charge. And if we fail to fulfill this charge, we'll produce three dangerous Christianities. Number one, off-topic Christianity. The first three words, preach the word. Everything else is off topic. Now he's telling Timothy as a preacher, do not waste your time trying to reform people politically or socially or emotionally. Timothy, you have one job and that is to preach the word. Now, not all of us are called into vocational preaching ministries, but all of us are to proclaim the Word of God. And the word preacher, now don't leave here saying that I said we have women preachers. 
But the word preach here, there's two words for preach, and one of them is specifically related to the gospel. But this one is not that word. This means to herald a message with no, with no, uh, how did I word this better than I'm thinking? To herald the truth of, to herald a message giving no thought to its content. Now, what do I mean by that? You have brought a message and the content of that message has nothing to do with you. You don't get to decide how much or how little or what kind of content you're bringing. You are a herald of a message from somebody higher than you. And when he says preach the word, what he's saying is, Timothy, you're not there to preach your opinions. You're not there to preach your preferences. You're not there to preach how you wish it would be or what you think will be best for these folks. You are to preach the word. It is not your job to figure out what God meant. It's your job to say what God said. And when we step away from the word of God, we are getting off topic. Now, where does this land with people that aren't preachers? This means dads need to elevate the word of God and not just their experience or not just their opinion or not just their feelings. Moms need to elevate the word of God and not just what they want to do for that day or what they feel like should happen or should be said. Young people should make much of the word of God. Uh, Co-workers should make much of the word of God. As we walk through this world, this world doesn't need our feelings. It doesn't need our opinions. It doesn't need our experiences. This world is in desperate need of God's word. And we are to herald the message with no concern as to whether or not we like it or whether or not we want to alter it. No, just herald forth the word. And when we don't, we get off topic. And can I tell you from personal experience, I've messed up a whole lot of things and even a whole lot of lives because I tried to pastor off topic. Off-topic Christianity is dangerous because we are influencing people with substandard influences instead of the one thing that's perfect. Off-topic Christianity. Number two, it's a dangerous Christianity when it's off-topic Christianity and then when it's an off-season Christianity. Preach the word. Be instant in season. Out of season. If you know anything about professional athletics, there are three season forms. A professional athlete can be in preseason form. Not so great. They can be in mid-season form, much better. And if you're really fortunate, you find them in postseason form. That means championship level. What you don't find in a professional athlete that's worth his or her salt is them ever being in off-season form. The best never stop training. They never stop working. The best. The Bible says be instant. The literal meaning of instant is in your place. Be where you're supposed to be. In season, out of season. It's interesting, that idea of in season, out of season, is the idea of convenience. So so we put that together, and, and what could we say that Paul is saying here? Be where you're supposed to be, whether you feel like it or not. 
Man, I'm guilty of this. Parents, how often have we embraced substandard parenting because we were tired, frustrated? And so we allowed the television, the iPad, the Xbox to raise our kids instead of us. I'm not saying that it's the worst sin of all to, uh, you know, occasionally let them have some screen time. That's not what I'm saying at all. But you know as well as I do, if we're not careful, we can abdicate our role and our responsibility and take the season off. As a pastor, you have every right to expect that you get my very best effort. You should get my very best effort when I'm feeling great about things. And you should get my very best effort when I'm heartbroken about things. And you should get my very best effort when this place is packed. And you should get my very best effort when everybody's over in the other building. The master club workers are glad to take a break. And I'm glad for them to take a break because then it helps my ego to have more people over here on Wednesday nights. But let's be honest, Christians. Sometimes the level of our involvement, the level of our dedication, the level of our working depends on where we are. I don't begrudge anybody from taking a vacation. I really don't. But one thing I hate about the summertime is that's when everybody takes vacations. And I miss you. I don't begrudge you taking them. Of course you take I'm going to take a vacation, Lord willing. So I need all of you all to stay healthy and everything be good for, you know, a couple of weeks. Friend. Anyway. But uh, I miss you. But when we go on vacation, do we consider that being in the off-season? I knew a guy that was an official in his church. I worked with him. This is in secular work, not here. He was an official at his church. I say official because I don't quite understand what his position was, but he had it. And you ain't heard a man cuss up a blue streak like he could at work. You know what he was? He was in the off-season. And you know how much respect people had for him? None. Name the name of Christ, but take the season off. I challenge the young people and their parents. In the last chapel, I preached this middle point. This is going to feel like the off-season because you're not going to be exposed to the Bible like you are every day here. That doesn't mean take the season off. If anything, ramp it up. Get in the Bible more. 
that off-season Christianity doesn't help you. It doesn't help the people that are watching you either. And it's dangerous. Preach the word. Be in season. I'm sorry. Be instant, in season, out of season. Beware of off-topic Christianity. Beware of off-season Christianity. And then finally, beware of off-balance Christianity. Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Paul gives us five things to consider there. Three tasks. Reprove. What does reprove mean? It means to convict in view of correction. Reprove means you are you are you are you are um, you are, are are calling somebody out on what they're doing wrong, with the view that they're going to get it right. Okay. Um. Hopefully that's the case for all of us. Rebuke is when you chide or convict in view of resistance. It's how you approach somebody that's not interested in getting right. But what does exhort mean? Exhort means to call to one side. The Greek word is paraclete, from which we get the word comforter. Or advocate, one who comes alongside. It speaks of comfort and encouragement. And then Paul gives us two approaches with all long-suffering and doctrine. Long-suffering means perseverance, patience with the work that you're doing and staying at it, but also patience with the people you're working with and staying with them. Man, it's been, it's been, I should have learned this. Foster, when you pastor, please don't make the same mistake I did. Don't expect people to be ready-made Christians the moment they hit the door. Because my first church especially, I'd be offended if somebody didn't match up to the standard that my pastor presented. And I wasn't patient with people. Man, but I had that reprove and rebuke done pretty well. I was good at that. I could preach a rind off a watermelon. I just made that up. But, but look at what it says. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. What happens when we get off balance? We reprove and we rebuke, but we don't exhort. Or we exhort, but we never reprove and we never rebuke. You see that, that of balance there? But then it says, whatever you're doing, whether it's reproving, rebuking, or exhorting, there's a right and a wrong way to do that. The right way is to do so with long-suffering. Be patient. Stay at it. Don't give up. Don't quit on yourself. Don't quit on the, the, the work. And don't quit on them. And doctrine. Teaching from the Word of God. Sound teaching from the Word of God. So what happens is we get out of balance. We get off balance because we're all about rebuking, but not exhorting. We're all about exhorting, but not rebuking. And then when we do that, we don't do it patiently, and we don't involve doctrine. And so everything gets all cattywampus, and what you've done is just made a big mess and... That's a dangerous Christianity. It says of Jesus that he was full of grace and truth. There's a balance there. 
Preach the truth in love. So I've got some person sitting in the church who's living a wicked lifestyle of some sort. I am to thunder against it. And I'm to embrace them and tell them I love them as I do it. Hey, parents, you better be careful. Too much reproof and not enough exhortation can be a problem. But on the other side of that, too much exhortation and no reproof, that can be a problem too. It's off balance. And we better know some doctrine. And we better be willing to stay at it. So what? Tonight we have a charge before us just as Timothy had before him. It's a serious charge. It's one that if we don't take it seriously, we're going to put some pretty dangerous things out there. Preach the word. Avoid off-topic Christianity. Be instant in season and out of season. Avoid off-season Christianity. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Avoid off-balance Christianity. Everybody get the points? Great. There's a big difference between getting the points and getting the message. And that's what I fear. I fear that in my preaching sometimes I don't do a good enough job of calling people to a decision. I get so involved in the outline that I don't do enough to bring you to the point of the message. Y'all, we are going to answer to God one day for everything he's put in our path. And there's really only two ways it's going to go. We are either going to present to this world a thriving Christianity that makes a difference for the cause of Christ, or we're going to present to this world a dangerous Christianity that shoes people away. Which is it? Where do you stand right now? Where do I stand right now? Right now at this moment, as a pastor, as a husband, as a father, as a preacher, as an employer, as an employee, as a neighbor, as a friend, is there any part of my Christianity that's dangerous?